on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Things are really rough in Silicon Valley, so just lay off, would you? Google launches Pmax experiments, but don't get that excited. You want to be on top? Sorry, but Tyra won't be optimizing at the most recent Google product that they axed. We were all rooting for you. All in today's show. <laughs> Welcome, you are listening to Marketing O'Clock. Just stay tuned. Digital marketing news, but let's get specific. Digital ads, SEO, and analytics, social media, and more. Pretty much everything that'll make your website perform. New shows every Friday. We'll give you the news with sass and puns and definitely high takes. Thank you for tuning in. You know what time it is. It's officially marketing o'clock. Settle in, sit back, keep it locked. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernheld. AKA Shop. I'm Jess Bud. And I'm Greg Fenn. And it is officially marketing o'clock. Here on January 27th, 2023. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another fabulous episode. Greg, what is new with you? I've made it 25 days, not going to lie to you, <laughs> of dry January. And I'm just going to update everybody here on the wheel. It's about to get damp tonight. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're me. It's about to be damp January. And then I think next week, I'm, I, well, later in the week, I'm going to a rave. And I think it's going to get moist January. Please. And then it's going to be wet February. So that's where I am on the water scale. I just, just feel like you record. can't say it's going to get damp tonight. What are you wearing tonight? to the rave? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't I have no clue. What do you wear to a rave? A if anybody listens to this Friday, let me know I what you I think you, you do. need like a bandana around your neck. There'll be no drugs. So like I'm going to be. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> well, I guess alcohol. I need like I need to get a little damp. You have to have you know some. You cannot go sober to a rave unless it's a sober rave, which I assume it's not. I feel like there's a lot of like. Do you remember the straight edge people? Yeah. Well, I'm they have, go like, to raves. One, I'm going to have like, one seltzer and be like. You're going to be right after 25 days yeah. of abstinence. Yeah. Yeah. And then this. Yeah. So I don't know. But anyway, that, that's the scale. And then on next week's show, it's going to get wet in here. Four beers. Oh, no. Five beers. Oh, no. Six beers. Right? Well, I'm proud February. of you. That's where we're breaking it in. We'll be recording on the yeah. first. Yes. Yeah, so you'll be back. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Well, I was trying to be proud of myself and be like one of those good moms over the weekend, made cookies for my family, and I thought it was going great. The whole time I'm baking them, my daughter's like, those cookies aren't for Santa. They're for Eliza. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So I'm like, okay, yeah, no Santa in my plans. Like, great. These are all for you. They're finished. I present one to her, fresh baked ooey gooey out of the oven. Oatmeal chocolate chip. Sounds great. No raisins. Who needs them? She takes one look at it. She's like, I don't want that cookie. I want Eliza's cookie. And we realized she meant Oreos. Wow. She thought you were baking Oreos? I don't know, but that she had no interest in mine. She just wants the Oreos. She thought you were a Keebler elf or something? (laughs) I guess. (laughs) It really hurt my feelings. And Santa's. So did she eat the cookie? Eventually, like days later. But not gooey out of the oven? She no. has no idea what she missed. I know. Man, more for you, I guess. What's up with you, Jess? Um, my son must be aware of his dirty mouth because he ate soap this morning. <laughs> 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 I 
Did he like it? He said, I asked him what it tasted like. He said nothing. So he is trying to be, well, we're trying to foster more independence in the bathroom. So I'm like letting him go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Independ- more independence in the bathroom. Can yeah. you please elaborate on that? So in my family, we tend to leave the door open out of convenience when we're using the restroom. And we maintained that so that Jack would see what goes on in there so that he would want to be potty trained. And then now we're like starting to close the door because privacy is a real thing and you should do that. And we're trying to teach that. But at the same time... One second. One second. Tables, <laughs> um, get CPS on the board. <laughs> Put them through Right. Just wanted him to understand what happens in there. And we're recording this, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And he, um, yeah. So anyway, so I would now have the door open so I can like check in on him and see what he's doing in there, make sure he's still doing it right because he's learning still, right? So anyway, so this morning, he, I'm in my bathroom brushing my teeth, whatever. He toddles over to the spare bathroom. We have a nice like cinnamon roll Bath and Body Works soap in there. And he's Ooh. been smelling it every time I'm watching him wash his hands. But this time he put it in his mouth because he wanted to see what it tasted like. You got to learn. That's, yeah. that's kind of your fault. How was that you my fault? I wasn't even there. and cinnamony, like you're asking for it. Do you understand that I had this product in my closet for like a year and I was just trying to use it up so it could be gone to get rid of a thing. Do you understand both things can be true? You can have the product for a year and it still could be wrong. I guess so. But anyway, it was like liquid soap, like pump hand soap, but I guess he ate it. But he told me it tasted like nothing, so he probably won't do it again. But I feel like he was just trying to make up for the swear. Did a he just weeks confess ago. to it or did you catch him with a mouth full of suds? No, I Chris saw it. My husband. I was brushing my teeth, doing my own thing in my own bathroom, and then I was informed. You of the gotta news. learn. Yeah. That's I guess I, I guess I need to supervise my three year old. <laughs> Go figure. Weird. Okay, and if you are listening to this, that means that we have a new episode of Marketing a Talk released for you. So if you don't remember, these are our roundtable episodes where we have special guests and we dive deep more into one topic rather than covering the news. So we have Glenn Gabe on the blower with me and Greg this week, and we're breaking down all of the updates that happened in 2022 so you can set yourselves up for success in 2023. It's a great episode. Yeah. So wherever you're listening to this, go one episode back. It should be there for you. Greg, what is happening in the news? Well, first up in sad news from Himanshu Sharma at Analytics Nerd on Twitter. Uh, they say, breaking news. Google Optimize and Optimize 360 will no longer be available after September 30th, 2023. Your experiments and personalizations can continue to run until that date. Any experiments and personalizations still active on that date will end. I loved Google Optimize. I thought it was one of the better products, even though I didn't mention it last week, that Google has come out with. Um, It's going away. Um, The release also states that from, and this is Google talking, uh, not at Analytics Nerd, they say, we launched Google Optimize over five years ago to enable businesses of all sizes to easily test and improve your user experiences. We remain committed to enabling businesses of all sizes to improve your user experiences and are investing in A-B testing in Google Analytics 4. What that doesn't say is that Analytics 4 will have A-B testing out of the box. It doesn't say anything about multivariate testing. It doesn't say anything about any other type of advanced testing where you can look at it, say, if the referrer was X, then do Y. It just seems like A-B testing. Some people have seen in some of the... I think it's just naming conventions in GA4, and it does seem like they're working through something. But I leave Chris aside and said that, you know, it's not in the near future. 
So nothing with GA4 is in the near future. I wonder if it will be free. I guess if it's part of GA4, it would be, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've asked this openly on the show, like what's going to happen to Optimize? Um, It's just a totally different system. So, you know, I, I, it seems like they're scrambling to make GA4 usable. Like I don't think they're going to have something usable A-B testing out of the box there. Mm -mm. So Google went on to say, why is Optimize being sunset? We are focused on bringing the most effective solutions and integrations to our customers, especially as we look forward to the future with Google Analytics 4. Um, and they said, Optimize, though a longstanding product, does not have many of the features and services that our customers request and need for experimentation testing. Huh? So you're not going to have anything then? You're just going to get rid of them all? What? There's some features in there that yeah. we've used. They go, they go on and say absolutely nothing about any new solutions other than we maybe we're investing in A-B testing in J4. Um, one of the things that I don't have a good answer for is I, I always felt good about optimizing. I don't know if I'm right or like to feel this way when doing like SEO testing because you always want to make sure you're not cloaking, you're not serving somebody up something different. And at least if it's a Google product, you know, they mm. kind of know. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. Don't at me. But I always felt better about recommending that than something like an Optimizely or any of the other solutions out there. So just know that you should, you know, think through uh, some of the SEO ramifications there. And then also from a data standpoint, Google says that they will be able to download historical data um, anytime before September 30th, 2023, there's an export your optimized report data that you can do, or you can use the Google Analytics data API. And if you don't get it out before it goes away, it'll be gone. So if you want that data, get it now. Shep and I had a call. One of our clients that uses Optimize the most, it, I, it was the first thing I said. I said, hey, do your Optimize going away? He's like, I know. Aww. I don't know what I'm going to do. So sad. Nine but months to figure it I out. I remember learning about it for the first time like four years ago and being like, this exists? Like, it's for cool. Free? Yeah. 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 So if you did make reports in Looker or something like that, make a historical view, save it as a PDF or something. That will break September 30th, 2023. All right. Well, we have more dismal news this week across the tech giants. It's not just Optimize that's getting the axe. There have been massive layoffs across Google, Alphabet, uh, Microsoft, Meta, and more. We'll start with Google, who put out an email earlier this week, or I think late last week, from Sundar Pichai that was sent to employees, but then they put it on their keyword blog. It said, we've decided to reduce our workforce by approximately 12,000 roles. This will mean saying goodbye to some incredibly talented people we worked hard to hire and have loved working with, yada, yada. They're deeply sorry, goes on to say. Over the past two years, we've seen periods of dramatic growth to match to match and fuel that growth. We hired for a different economic reality than the one we face today. That's an exact quote. I feel like people are feeling that kind of across the board. Um, he also noted that the cuts are across alphabet, product areas, functions, levels, and regions. So this is just massive and wide. It's not U.S. specific, but based on the details they gave on what they're doing for the U.S. as far as like pack severance packages and things like that, I feel like we are probably feeling that a lot here in the States. Microsoft announced a similarly huge number of layoffs, approximately 10,000. Despite seeing revenue that was 2% higher than last year, their profits actually took a huge hit, particularly on the hardware side of things, as well as content and services for Xbox. Um, a common theme among those two anyway, Microsoft and Google, is that there's a heavy investment in AI going forward. 
So we'll see where that takes us. Maybe there'll be more hiring down the line, although they didn't say that. I'm just guessing. I don't think that that that's not like today. Anything to do with these layoffs, but yeah, it might be so these positions that may be replaced. I yeah, maybe we'll see. Um, but they're all they just like to end on a positive note. So like we're mm-hmm. investing in AI and things are changing and new things are coming and our products are great, which, you know, TBD on that one. Meta is laying off 13 percent of their workforce, which is approximately 11,000. They've also extended their hiring freeze and Salesforce and Twitter, too. They're cutting 1,000 and 3,700 jobs respectfully there. So thoughts and prayers. It's rough out there right now. Everybody's just making cuts and we saw the up. Now we're seeing the down. It's kind of a sad time to be in tech. Yeah, and for Google too, this this one seemed a little different. There were you know people with decades of experience yeah. and years that are gone, and then it also seemed to be handled maybe not the best because it seemed like it was clear for the U.S. But I saw that Gary from Google had had put a post up on LinkedIn, and it the communication was clear for what would happen to U.S. folks, but outside of the area, it seemed a little bit ambiguous. So Gary from Google on LinkedIn said, since I wrote this in private conversations dozens of times the past couple days, I hope it will save some time. Googlers outside the U.S. don't know yet if they lost their jobs. It'll take a few more weeks due to the local labor laws. This is also explained in the memo published on blog.google. We still have the Google search relations team, which is comforting to me. However, I know it's super tough to work with this kind of stress, not knowing if we will still have a job, that is. Until we do, we'll try to communicate to do our best with what we've been doing for the past 15 years of this team's existence. Get information out, both online and in person, so people can do better in Google search and lurk on the internet to get information back to search engineering about the issues publishers face. Again, we don't know what the future holds for us, but I trust we'll be fine one way or another. Heartfelt. Thank you to everybody paying me about this. So, Best wishes to everybody over at these tech companies. And I have some maybe not bad news, or maybe just okay. Please? (laughs) Yes, we need it, Chuck. From Dario Zanoni, at Dario Zanoni on Twitter, he tweeted this week, hashtag Google Ads, I don't know who needs to see this, but finally Performance Max experiments have been released in many accounts. I was someone who needed to see this because I do not have these in my accounts yet and haven't been able to play around with these at all yet. But apparently there are two options. So the first one is Uplift from Pmax, and that's if you aren't running an e-commerce campaign or your account isn't linked to Merchant Center. And then if it is, you can run a Pmax versus standard shopping. So when I first heard about this, it's like, okay, finally we're testing Pmax. But it's not like you can test different settings in a PMAX campaign and like try and see if you can do a better job with your PMAX campaign. It's just testing PMAX against your search or your standard shopping campaigns, which is kind of a bummer. But I guess they're kind of putting their money where their mouth is. But again, we got to talk about like what's branded search, what's remarketing. You can't compare the two. Um, But I don't know. More experiments is always better than less. I would rather be able to play around with my asset groups or something, but yeah, nice to know. Small wins. <laughs> what else is happening, Greg? All right. The Justice Department is suing Google for monopolizing digital advertising technologies. Uh, an antitrust complaint said Google has used anti-competitive, exclusionary, and unlawful means to eliminate or severely diminish any threat to its dominance over digital advertising technologies. This whole thing is worth a read. I'm going to pull out some quotes here, so stick with me. If you don't care about it, just fast forward about 
two minutes here. You're like the Bravo docket, but for digital marketing. Exactly. So here's another really interesting part. Um, This came from Reuters, I believe. They said, the complaint filed today alleges a persuasive and systemic pattern of misconduct through which Google sought to consolidate market power and stave off free market competition, said Deputy Attorney General Lisa O. Monaco. In pursuit of outsized profits, Google has caused great harm to online publishers and advertisers and American consumers. Uh, A few different points that were included that um, lead to this monopolistic behavior is acquiring competitors so that Google was engaging allegedly in a pattern of acquisitions to obtain control over key digital advertising tools used by website publishers to sell ad space. The forcing adoption of Google's tools, so locking in website publishers to newly acquired tools by restricting its unique must-have advertiser demand to its ad exchange and in turn conditioning effective real-time access um, to its ad exchange on the use of its publisher ad server. Distorting auction competition, we talked about some of that with some of the AMP stuff allegedly back in the past, and also um, auction manipulation where they're manipulating allegedly auction mechanics across several of its products to insulate Google from competition, to deprive rivals of scale, to halt the rival technologies. Um, According to Reuters, the government says that Google should be forced to sell its ad manager suite, which uh, generated about 12% of Google's revenues in 2021, and um, also the ad exchange, Google AdX. Uh, There's a 149-page complaint a lot of information in here. Read through some of it, didn't read it all, but it read like a hacking diss track. They got like ethered on this, right? So I'm just going to finish with about three paragraphs here directly from the Department of Justice. But competition in the ad space is broken for reasons that were neither accidental nor inevitable. One industry behemoth, Google, has corrupted legitimate competition in the ad industry by engaging in a systemic campaign to seize control of the wide swath of high-tech tools used by publishers, advertisers, and brokers to facilitate digital advertising. Having inserted itself into all aspects of the digital advertising marketplace, Google has used anti-competitive, exclusionary, and unlawful means to eliminate or severely diminish any threat to its dominance over digital advertising technologies. Next paragraph. Google's, they have them numbered, so like, it doesn't actually read like this. It's this like is number the Bible. Five. Yeah. Yes. Google's plan has been simple but effective. One, neutralize or eliminate ad tech competitors' actual potential through a series of acquisitions. And two, wield its dominance across digital advertising markets to force more publishers and advertisers to use its products while disrupting their ability to use competing products effectively. Whenever Google's customers and competitors responded with innovation that has threatened Google's stranglehold, over any one of these ad tech tools, Google's anti-competitive response has been swift and effective. Each time a threat has emerged, Google has used its market power in one or more of these ad tech tools to squash the threat. The result? Google's plan for durable industry-wide dominance has succeeded. Google, a single company with persuasive conflicts of interest, now controls one the technology used by every by nearly every major website publisher to offer advertising space for sale. Two, the leading tools used by advertisers to buy the advertising space. And three, the largest ad exchange that matches publishers with advertisers each time the ad space is sold. Google's persuasive power over the entire ad tech industry has been questioned by its own digital advertising exec 
executives, at least one of whom aptly begged the question, is there a deeper issue with us owning the platform, the exchange, and a huge network? The analogy would be if Goldman or Citibank owned the New York Stock Exchange. That person was probably fired for saying that. Yeah, blood <laughs> on the streets. <laughs> so it goes on and on. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I was. It was a very aggressive suit. I'll say. Very aggressive. And I can't say that they're wrong. They're not. So that's put pretty plainly. Well, I understand what they're saying. A lot of times they come with this frivolous stuff. I'm like, oh, the search has baked in. It's like, you change all that stuff. The fact that you're doing everything in here, that's hard to disagree. Yeah. Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. This week's Take of the Week comes from Colin McDermott at Colin McDermott on Twitter. Colin writes, to add a little balance to the chat GPT gets things wrong sometimes discussion, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Google star, still star, <laughs> thinks sharks are aliens. <laughs> and it's showing a knowledge panel and it says sharks under it, fish. And then it says the description the sharks are creatures that appear in Sonic the Hedgehog comic series and its spinoffs published by Archie Comics. They're a violent alien race from the future Mobius. They're not from the future. They're the oldest creatures on this planet. And this came out last week or the week before, and I kind of saved it. Like, this might be a good take of the week down the road. I'm like, they must have fixed this. Somebody over there at Google has to be looking at, like, sharks, right? That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> And I looked at it today, and it's still their violent alien race from the future Mobius. Still going strong here. They really look like aliens, though. All right. So. Sharks are creepy. Yeah, Sharks. use that next time somebody says, what jacket GPT gets it wrong sometimes? Yeah. Now it's time for this week's I See Why Am I. I See Why Am I, people. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. We're still laughing about Take of the Week, apparently. <laughs> okay, I see why am I people from at Diana Alina Aldea on Twitter, one of our must-follows from PPC from 2022. She tweeted, pay close attention to your assets tab in Google Ads, previously known as extensions. I recently discovered some automatically created assets both at the campaign and account level. For me, this is a first. I only saw automatically created image extensions until now. This is something that I feel like is so appalling to me and I'm one of the few people I ever hear talking about it. First of all, the worst part of this automatically created asset situation that Diana is talking about, they're site links. You're literally sending people who click on the ad to somewhere else on the website than the landing page you want them to go to. That is so egregious. It's like, it was like 20 site links. Okay, stop what you're doing. Well, you can still listen to us. This is how you turn these off. From your assets tab in Google Ads, click on those three tiny dots for more on the top right, or just call me and I can tell you this. Then you'll see all the automatically created assets. There's an option to look at them. Then you have to click on the three tiny dots again for advanced options to turn them off. Then you can opt out. And when I looked at this, I noticed I have seller ratings turned on for a client. 
And I was horrified because I thought I opted out of everything. Turns out you can't turn off seller ratings. So good luck to anyone who has bad seller ratings. And if you're not familiar with what seller ratings are, they're actually a violent alien race in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for this week's Pew Pew Lightning Round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. Thank you, Wix, for sponsoring Marketing O'Clock. If you've been listening to us for a while, you know we are huge fans of Wix's Serps Up podcast hosted by Crystal Carter and Morty Oberstein. What I love about this podcast is that it can be so hard to get good SEO information. I feel like people are always whining about like the tiniest things on SEO chat on Twitter. It's just a bad place to be. And they cut through all the noise. They only talk about things that matter. And they do an amazing job of making it make sense for people like me. They release new episodes every Wednesday. This week's episode is about ranking factors and how much they matter. Last week, they talked about site migrations. Greg, you love SERPs up too, right? Yeah, I think it's, it goes hand in hand with Marketing Clock. And I listen entirely to the site migrations one. And if you think we have bad jokes, like Morty might have us beat. He tried to make a pun <gasps> about site migrations, site mine, migrainations. Ooh, cease so and desist, Morty. If you like this show, you oh. will love Serps Up. Yeah, they're fun. They have been churning out great content since August. There is a whole inventory of episodes for you to explore over on the Wix SEO Learning Hub. You can visit it at wix.com slash SEO slash learn slash podcast. Or you can just, after you've finished our show, of course, look for them wherever you're listening to us. Serps up. Thank you, Wix, for sponsoring today's show. First up in the paid universe this week, Twitter Business tweeted, today we are rolling out search keywords ads to all advertisers as a beta test. Millions of people on Twitter search for what's happening every day and now advertisers can bid to insert promoted tweets solely among specific search results, reaching people with high real-time intent and improving ad relevance. This seems like a pretty big deal to me, like a cool thing to test. You could have an ad for like software in the PPC chat. If you could do hashtags, I don't know how it works, but seems like there's a lot of opportunity here. One bummer is you have to pick keywords as your goal, as your objective for the campaign. So you, you can't pick conversions. And I kind of hate that. That's but dumb. I just like that they're doing anything with ads over there. They're doing something. I love it. Yeah, I love it. We're going to get to it in the WTH portion of the show. But Twitter seems like they're actively caring about not only users. I mean, they have to because Elon's Mm -hmm. entire freaking net worth is tied to it, but also now to advertisers. We got got conversions for the first time, and now we have keywords. Mm -hmm. Next, we have an update on this crazy (laughs) saga that started in mid-December. I think it started with Julie Bacini from her at Neptune Moon Twitter handle, and she had some kind of a bug where she could not have more than three RSAs in an ad group even if some of them were paused. You're supposed to only be able to have three active RSAs, but as many paused as you want. And Ginny was replying and saying, I couldn't replicate it. And then Julie and other people were replying from PPC chat saying that it's happening to them too. So it just seemed like a big mess. As of last week, um, Ginny said, confirm that you can have multiple ads in an ad group. The limit is three enabled RSAs. 
We found a bug in editing ads and draft and experiment campaigns. And then she had this crazy workaround that was comical. But now the bug has been fixed. So it shouldn't be a problem for anyone. Try to re-enable your ads if you couldn't before. From Anna Simpson on LinkedIn, she posted, Red flag, is Google getting rid of dynamic search ads? I noticed today that when setting up a new campaign, the option to create DSAs is not there anymore, instead giving me the option to enable automatically created assets in its place. This gives Google the opportunity to generate headlines and descriptions based on content in your landing page, domain, and current ads. Sounds familiar, right? So in combination with Broad Match, Keyword targeting, this will surely act very similar to DSAs, and I wonder whether this is Google's sneaky way of once again trying to push advertisers towards broad match. I would hate to see that. I know a lot of people that really rely on DSAs, and it's like very cumbersome to set up, and they have like a whole system in place, so I would hate to see them rearrange everything. I hope she's wrong, and this is just a conspiracy theory, but we'll see. And you, you would think that they would never get rid of DSAs. That's if their whole element is pushing towards automation, mm-hmm. taking your hands off the wheel, trusting the process, Sam Henke, everything like that, you are going to say, crawl this page and go get me the best stuff. like that. So I, I hope this is not true because DSAs can work and it can actually be good for keyword research in general. right? I know that's the trick we always talk about, but see if what Google thinks of your page, run a DSA and see what terms it shows up for. And we have some evidence, hopefully, that it's not true. Alfred Simon tweeted this week, Hi, PPC chat. I think this search term and landing page review option under DSA campaigns ad groups is a new option. You can review the performance of search terms in the landing page where they brought traffic. Super cool. Haven't seen it before. Then he came back later and said, you can also see what headline was showing. So hopefully they're giving us more data about DSAs are not going anywhere. But that's cool. hope so. Next up from AJ Wilcox on LinkedIn, he posted about LinkedIn ads. The rotate ads evenly feature on LinkedIn LinkedIn ads doesn't actually work the way we envision it should. We think it will give each ad in a campaign an equal chance to generate an impression or ads will generate impressions equally. In practice, each ad enters the auction evenly, but between at least two ads, one ad will have a higher relevancy score than the other. The ad with the lower relevancy score then will still not be shown as often because it's not as competitive in the auction as your ads. Also, the lower your score, the more LinkedIn will charge you in order for your ads to be shown. How nice. I know. AJ's just the best. So if you are doing a lot in LinkedIn and you want more tips like this, definitely check out his LinkedIn ads podcast or follow him on LinkedIn. And from Discord user Karate Koi, Karate K, wait. Coyote. Coyote? It's like one of those like uh, gray and white kind of dog things. What are those called? Yeah, it's like a fox, not a a coyote. Not a coyote. It's like the, what's the one that's gray and white? A wolf? (laughs) A wolf. (laughs) Anyway, Karate (laughs) Coyote is always, you know, starting great conversations in Discord, so you should join us at community.marketingoclock.com. This week, he posted in Discord about how starting February 1st, eligible local campaigns will be upgraded to Performance Max. He got that notification in his account. He said, makes us all cry that local maps ads will be removed, essentially to be in a bucket of Performance Max now. I think not enough people know how to do them, so they are moving them to PMAX. Disappointing, 
as we like and use them. PPC Greg responded in Discord and said, location extension should still make you eligible to show and add in the map pack as far as I understand. So again, lots of smart people helping each other out in Discord. Check it out. And Julie Baccini from her at Neptune Mood and Twitter account tweeted this week. She got a notification that her optimization score dropped 17%. She said, first time seeing this upon a login to a Google Ads account. It's a highlighted alert right at the top of the screen. Hate it. Yeah. Next, we have an article from Digiday called Google's Fledge Lacks Momentum Four Months Into Trials and Offers a Limited Focus. So apparently only five ad tech vendors have expressed an interest in testing Fledge, maybe because they don't want to say that, or the first locally (laughs) executed decision over groups experiment. Stop spending so much time on the names and acronyms and make a good replacement for cookies. So stupid. You can ask your daughter about that. (laughs) And one of the five vendors is Google, by the way. So some of the reasons vendors aren't jumping on board is because it only handles the retargeting part of performance advertising and there are no proper reach and frequency controls. I only care about the opinion of at human propensity, (laughs) the last party cookie, one of our favorite Twitter accounts here. And they said, I think Fledge's issue isn't so much that it's a retargeting point solution, but rather that it's a data product and a lot of big data players are more interested in trying to win the identity measuring contest. So that's what you need to know about Fledge. Okay, Greg, I meant to ask you about my next story. Is this like a newsletter you're part of, Leo? I don't know. I got an email. Leonardo <laughs> I don't know if he was just giving you a tip for the show or if you're subscribed. Basically, if anybody talks to me, they're instantly my best friend. Yeah. So that's what it is. So he emailed Greg and said, surprise, surprise, yet another underhanded update from Google. Some users like Chris Chambers are reporting a recent change that makes it more difficult to access optional settings in the budget page when creating a PMAX campaign. Location targeting, final URL expansion, ad scheduling, and even asset group editing are being skipped unless you click on the link shown below to de-emphasize the UI. Thanks, Leo. Not surprised. Andy Goodwin from Brain Labs has this presentation (laughs) called Google Search in 2023. How do you have so many notes on this? Is performance maximus. Greg, you know, it's a lot of pressure. You put a little pink note in here that says <laughs> chance for a good rant. Yeah. Do you know what kind of pressure that puts on me? No. So yeah, I took a lot of notes. <laughs> okay. Okay, so first he's talking about how Google is heading in a very different direction with their user-facing products with the aim of making search more natural and intuitive. So they're talking about search on and the whole like change to the SERPs and all that stuff. He says, it doesn't feel too bold a prediction to claim that Performance Max will absolutely be central to the buying engine for brands to tap into these new users experience, this new user experience. Then he wants to talk about if PMAX is actually any good. So they aggregated test results from 18 Brain Labs clients in a range of sectors and identified two big findings. So first, he says PMAX drove stronger CPA and ROAS than similar Google Ads campaigns. There are no similar Google Ads campaigns. It's so ridiculous. And then all these people, they love PMAX, are 
what kind of premier partner everything blah 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 like the this finding is hot trash sorry brain that this supports the proposition that by having the freedom to optimize across multiple touch points the algorithm is able to drive outcomes more effectively for advertisers keyword multiple touch points like how are you going to compare it to another google ads campaign type are you comparing it to a branded campaign are you comparing it to retargeting campaign are you comparing it to non-branded search that's not fair. There's nothing, anything you similar you to it. You can't do it. You cannot do it. What's more, quote, Pmax is already making healthy contributions to overall conversion and revenue volumes. On average, our clients who use Pmax netted out spending 17% of their Google Ads budget through this campaign type. Who you could gives? be spending that 17% on branded and retargeting. Where you weren't before. I just love everybody tries to put this information out like they they got some science behind it. The best one is from um, Ivanka at at SMX. She talks about how you can actually use it in a way to promote things and build systems, but it's only e-commerce. And this isn't e-commerce specifically. It's just everything. I don't know how you could look at this and get any kind of insight. I'm with Shep on this. And we don't know if he's talking. Yeah, he's saying all of his clients, like, I don't know if they're branded or if they're e-commerce or if they're not, but do with the data what you will. Um, You might find this interesting because he talks about tips for how brands can, quote, win with Pmax by optimizing data, creative, and feeds. This is interesting, Greg. Speaking of feeds, he says, for non-retailers, feeds aren't to be ignored either. They may not play much of a role today, but indications from Google suggest that feeds will come into use more broadly to help connect Pmax to the more visually rich SERP experience. So that's, I guess, the whole point with talking about search on in the beginning. He's saying we're all going to be using feeds soon, which I is news to me. Except Google Merchant Next doesn't talk about feeds. Everything's file. It seems like they're moving away from more feed-based items and full integration with Google Ads, and this would be the opposite of that. Yeah, check last week's episode if you missed that. I just, I wouldn't, I would look at this and just uh, keep looking at the next thing. Go to the next, listen to the next story instead. Oh, the next story is kind of sad. From Joe at the Joe Schmo, a person searches for Mark Glott, who is a criminal lawyer in Miami. Google shows ads of other criminal lawyers in Miami who use the keyword criminal lawyer in Miami. I've mentioned numerous times how illogical this is, but now I have to try to explain it to a client. Can you pause this for a second? (laughs) Tables, can you get my Morgan and Morgan on the blower here? I need to make a call. I can't believe that they they match this poorly to names. What if you're just like looking the like date Mark Glott and you want to know his background? Yeah. You don't need a lawyer. This is, this is why you, you have do. to do. You at, don't know what he's up then to. Then it's like a $5,000 click. Well, it better be well, a good date. Yeah. Mark, <laughs> Mark be, better be buying. I'll say that much. But yeah, you got to look. You have to mine your search query report. I mean, anything can be matching, you know? Tissues could be matching to women's sanitary napkins. Stop! I thought we had a petition. At least two people not... signed it. <laughs> there were a lot of s- signatures mm-hmm. for you to not say women's sanitary Who else's sanitary napkin? napkin would it be? <laughs> also. I was trying to make a point. I'll shut up. <laughs> Good point. Been thinking about it. Yeah, Greg. Okay, next up from PPC, Greg. First time seeing a search query of a business's phone number triggering an all word based (laughs) keyword and ad for that business adding insult to injury people it's exact match (gasps) so i don't know what the keyword was it was their brand name or what but they swapped the phone number (laughs) 
Unbelievable. Aliens. (laughs) Obviously. The 2023 PSAC is going to take place on February 22nd. It is virtual. There is no reason not to go. They have a lot of great speakers lined up. So definitely check it out. And it's hashtag PSAC23. The PSAC is back. What is the organic news? (laughs) From Alita Solis on LinkedIn, she asked a bunch of technical SEOs, or at least brought it to attention. I don't know where it came from. What's the hardest part of your job? Hardest part of my job is getting through this because I have literal tears in my eyes. The hardest Uh, part of my job is hearing Greg say women's But 33% of technical SEOs said getting my Im- recommendations implemented was the hardest part. 23% said it's showing the value of my work. And I just want to take credit for the 16% that said, this is a low number, but 16% said staying up to date with the latest updates that affect SEO. We're here for you. So that's it. That's maybe why it's solo. Maybe it's us. Serps up. Who yeah. knows? Mm-hmm. All right. So looking positive here. Okay. There is a very interesting story over on The Verge about CNET and some of the AI written stories and some of the other uh, uh, properties that Red Ventures owns. In case you don't know, CNET, according to The Verge, not me, they said CNET was once a high-flying powerhouse of tech reporting that commanded a $1.8 billion purchase price when it was acquired by CBS in 2008. Since then, it has fallen victim to the same disruptions and business model shifts as the rest of the media industry, resulting in CBS flipping the property of Red Ventures for just $500 million in 2020. They go on to say that this type of SEO farming can be massively lucrative using AI, essentially. Um, and I just want to say, I think there's some things that they're doing right with CNET. They're saying, and this, this comes from The Verge. Every morning around 9 a.m., CNET publishes two stories listing the day's mortgage rates and refinance rates. The story templates are the same every day. Affiliate links links for loans pepper the page. Average rates float up and down day by day, and the sentences are rephrased slightly. But the tone, the content, and the article is consistent as clockwork. Great. That's what AI should be for. AI shouldn't be used for misinterpreting compound interest as being something that you get at a bank. It has nothing to do with the bank. Just because you want to sell bank savings accounts doesn't mean that you give people bad information. So it goes on to say, again, that they're using this. Red Ventures owns the point guy, bank rate, creditcards.com, and obviously CNET. And if people think they want to take this model, I'm going to tell you how it's going to end. And listen to the marketing attack that came out right before this. This is going to be panda-like for them. If, previously thought of is the farmer update where they're going to have this content this ai generated google is not stupid they're going to understand all this stuff and you can't keep crapping out content that's inaccurate what do you think this helpful content update system is for helpful content system think it's good right now it won't be trust me on this mark this down we'll see cnet and you come right back to this point right here today January 27th, 2023. All right, from Search Engine Land, Google will demonstrate a version of its search engine with a chatbot feature this year, according to a New York Times report. I couldn't care less. I feel like they're way behind on all the AI. They're down, again, a lot of folks right now. Hopefully, it doesn't impact anything. But I've seen some of their automated stuff right now. It sucks. 
Like, what, what is the chatbot can do? Is, uh, raise your budgets? Like, they, there's nothing of help that they've ever figured out from any type of recommendation or anything like that that will give me any kind of faith that they could come up with some kind of chat. They, they haven't been able to do it for any of their platforms for years, and more to come in the WTH section here. YouTube's also making it easier for creators who experience community guideline issues to review and understand policies, appeal decisions, and in some cases see timestamps when there was a uh, guideline issue. And that's going to come right inside YouTube Studio. Google has also updated image SEO best practice in Google Discover um, best practices. The biggest thing that you should know is if you're trying to get into Google Discover, you want to make sure you have a title element and a link element. Need that stuff. And then Google also said that they can now um, read within read image elements even if they're in another element like a picture element. So should be fine there. All right, next up, if you recall back in September of 2022, Google had launched an email program that allowed political emails to be delivered. Um, and it would get past uh, the Gmail spam filters and go right into the inbox. Um, this is now ending. Apparently a bunch of different, some party was saying that it was working more for the other party, this and that. And it just never made sense. The minute you start censoring or not, like doesn't make sense so it's over so if you if you were getting a good, good delivery right you might see that drop if you're a politician all right and from charles freena at charles freena on twitter look at us he says the google marketing platform has now deprecated slash depreciated slash decapitated that's all me <laughs> google optimize and google surveys data studio has moved to google cloud so the only thing left in google marketing platform is tag manager analytics and double click products he says, how much, or does the Google marketing platform brand stay around much longer? I think they always did a terrible job with it, so I'd say no. All right, and lastly, from Adam DeFrisco, uh, number one through 50 on our top 50 SEO list, at DI underscore Frisco SEO says, been impressed with YouTube, you search engines, you chat AI has been really useful when analyzing plugins and sifting through the sources it pulls up much better than a Google search of the same question. That's sort of similar to what I said before. Um, and he's got a couple examples up on screen. One about any known SEO issues with a WordPress plugin, uh, is Kismet anti-spam. You can see the answer from you, and then now you can see the answer from uh, Google. And Google is much more basic of an answer. It doesn't actually talk that much about the plugin itself. So if you're looking for better results, maybe give you.com a, a test and use the AI. That's it in organic. What's happening in social, bud? All right, first up in social this week, a tweet from Twitter support, at Twitter support. Were any of you, all of you, in parentheses, asking for your timeline to default to where you left it last? No. Starting today on web, if you close Twitter on the for you or following tabs, you will return to whichever timeline you had open last, iOS and Android coming soon. So it's not like where you left off in your scrolling, but which of those two oh, tabs that you chose. That's I know what I, I thought it meant. I, I thought like, the scrolling at first, yeah. But it's not. It's just whichever tab you chose, which I think is good. I feel like they're catering to the user's preferred experience, whether it's discovery or keeping up with the Joneses. So that's a smart move, Bird. 
WhatsApp is also testing some new features. Rejoice if you love blocking people because that's what it's all about. In addition to the option in the chat preview for one-on-one -on -one chats, the app is also testing shortcuts to block users, several different types of shortcuts to block users, all of which will also ask you if you want to report the offending contact. So then you can send them the last couple messages that you received. And if the receipts deem that the user is violating any policies, it can help the moderation team to ban that account too if they're violating anything. So that's good. Keeping things safe. That's just in testing though right now. Um, and who gives a shit news? Instagram is adding a dynamic profile photos, which can be flipped to show your meta avatar. Kill me. <laughs> this is a photo sharing app. The last thing I want is a fake version oh, of me. Jess, it's so cute. It's not me. It's um, the dumbest thing ever. Let's make your profile the Shaggin Ball Z and I think everything will be good. That I'm okay with. That I'm okay with. But on that note, regarding photos, Mr. Masseri himself concurs that the app went too hard on video last year and said this week in a Q&A that, quote, we were over-focused on video in 2022 and pushed ranking too far, basically showed too many videos and not enough photos. We've since balanced so things like how often someone likes photos versus videos and how often someone comments on photo versus video are roughly equal, which is a good sign that things are balanced. So bring a little balance to the force. I am okay That's with so that. It's so brave of him to admit that he was wrong. You just love him so much. But it's true, though. That's what people want. And avatars aside, I feel like people use Instagram the way that they use Instagram. And if they're seeing that they push things perhaps in the wrong direction, it's nice to give things equal weight. They're not saying they're pulling back completely on video and pushing photos. They're just saying equal weight. And again, that's a Q&A. So. In brands give a shit news, Meta has launched a new dedicated rights manager site to help businesses detect and action intellectual property violations. In addition to helpful links and overviews of tools and policies, the brand rights manager tool, which is the main functional element of the site, enables brands to upload images of their licensed products, which Meta's systems can then use as a reference point for detecting similar matches in order to highlight potential usage violations in page posts, marketplace listings, etc. I said meta every time, right? Oh, instead of meta? Yeah. Are you proud? Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. I made it a thing. <laughs> now it's time for this week's W-T-H. Misguided. I hated all of that. I'm like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about a trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly, see what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. This week's W-T-H comes from pluralistic.net. Maybe one of my favorite articles ever. It's called TikToks in Shitification. And Jessica, you read the first part. I've talked way too much over too much. Can you help me out? Can you read this? And then I'll give some commentary. Yes, I will read a dramatic reading. Here is how platforms die. First, they are good to their users. Then they abuse their users to make things better for their business customers. Finally, they abuse those business customers to claw back all the value for themselves. Then they die. I call this inshitification, and it is a seemingly inevitable consequence arising from the combination of ease of changing how a platform allocates value combined with the nature of a two-sided market, in quotes, where a platform sits between buyers and sellers, hold each hostage to the other, raking off an ever larger share of the value that passes between them. You just wanted to see if I could do that. There's have a lot you ever, of words. Have you ever read anything more eloquent than that? Julie Bacini sent this to me. It was I'm very like, nice. This 
I, I, I copied that first paragraph. I sent it right back to her. Yeah. Unbelievable. I love it. And it goes on to say, like, if you search Amazon for cat beds, the entire first screen is ads, including ads for products Amazon cloned from its own sellers, putting them out of business. Third parties have to pay 45% junk fees to the Amazon, but Amazon doesn't charge itself for the fees. All told, the first five screens of results for cat bed are 50% ads. This is insurification. Surpluses are first directed to the users. Then once they're locked in, surpluses go to the suppliers. Then once they are locked in, the surplus is handed to the shareholders and the platform becomes a useless pile of shit. From mobile app stores to Steam, from Facebook to Twitter, this is the insurification lifestyle. I've just never heard anything so eloquent in my life. You're going to use and that word a lot, be bleeped. Yeah. It's what, the, it's what you, you get users. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It's a reality. And that's the new term, insurification. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for working hard or hardly working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. I love labels in Google ads, but I wish there was a setting for them or somewhere you could edit them besides like the all campaigns view. I just think that's annoying and cumbersome. Jess? I think that um, my office mate, Sarah Burke, data by Sarah, she just made me feel really good this week. So she's working hard. She called me a conductor, like an orchestra, because sometimes I'm not really executing. I'm just like going like this and dancing and making sure everybody else does their thing. And I feel like account leads across the world should feel good about you what should, they're doing. It's true. They're working hard. You should make SEO software. <laughs> All right. And for me, one thing, I hate Google Ads Editor, how long it takes to download everything. What I'm doing every day, I'm just scheduling it ahead of time to download at 4 a.m. So every day I come in, my editor's already pre-downloaded for me. Boom, you can do it in your settings, schedule, and download your Google Ads Editor. And now for this week's Cool Tool. As a reminder, our Cool Tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is a pro tip from Boris Bekovic via LinkedIn, and it's a delight for those who write. He posted, quick ad improvement. You can use the Hemingway app for writing your ads. A colleague introduced me to it. You'll write clearer and more concise. And then he gives some examples of how he input a um, headline that he pulled from Google Ads and then made it more snappy, for example. And I'm not going to spoil it because you should really try this for yourself and read his post. But it's a great little hack. If you're not using the tool, you definitely could. Um, it's Hemingway Editor or Hemingway App. You can Google both and find them. So thank you, Boris. This makes things Hemingway easier. And we'll have the link to his post as well as the app in our newsletter and on Discord. So pick your poison and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. This week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Glenn Alsop over on Detailed. And this is an updated article, but he goes through the $122 billion SEO industry, 30 different success stories. I just like the fact that he goes out, shoots a shot, and takes a stab at how much some of these SEO softwares are making and just SEO companies in general. Pretty cool if you want to take a guess at, you know, for example, how much SERP stats making. Glenn went through and did this as well as for, I believe, 30 others, I think was the number there. 
So check it out if you want over on detailed.com. Thank you, Glenn. And now on to our playlist of curated songs to work to. You can head over to playlist.marketingclock.com to listen to Marketing and Playlist before Greg ruins it. Jess. I'm splitting it up. It's going to be better. I'm just waiting on creative. Jess, what will you be adding? You know I'm a hopeless romantic, so I'm going with a love song this week, Sweet Vampires by Alkaline Trio. I can't help it. I listen to Taylor Swift all the time and nothing else. Come back, be here. Greg. I'm picking a Classique by Adieu, Adieu Aru. It reminded me of the Snatch song, a movie Jess won't ever watch for me. So there you go. All right, that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If you're looking for more information on today's topic, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we covered. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack, where after our famous Friday news show, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the hack. Greg has a game for us. I sure do. This is actually everybody's favorite game that we're playing this week. It is called Get to Know Each Other, the music edition. We're going to talk about very hard questions from some of your favorite bands slash artists. Oh, boy. For Shep, we brought to the table one Miss Taylor Swift. For Jess, we brought to the table Slipknot. And for tables, we have a band called Bayside. That's okay. your favorite band? I talk it's a big game. in the game. top five. Okay. okay, so we're going to have Taylor Swift. You ring in by saying your name. Tables, you say tables. Jess, oh. you say Jess. Shep, you do not get to ring in on your own artist, oh. but you can steal. Okay? Now, if you get somebody else's artist correct, it's worth 10 points. If the person who it's their actual band, they only get one point for the steal. Okay? Okay. So it's like and a if you don't answer, within five seconds, you lose five points. So time is of the essence here. Is this like golf where less points wins? No. Okay. okay first up, Taylor Swift. Shut. you're not eligible to okay, answer. You can steal, it. though. Who taught Taylor how to first play three chords on her guitar when Jess. she was 12? Jess. John Mayer. Incorrect. Tables. Her dad. Incorrect. Shep for one point. I still. don't know. A guitar teacher, I would say. Oh, wow. Doesn't know Taylor Swift as well as I do. It was a computer repairman. Computer repairman. Um, oh. That sounds sketchy. Also, yeah. I'm surprised she didn't say she taught herself. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Now we're going to go to Slipknot. So Tables and Shep, you can ring in. This is, uh, we're going to do an, an analogy here, okay? Oh, boy. Insane Clown Posse is to Juggalos as Slipknot is to... Shep. Shep. Slip hards. Incorrect. Can I steal? Do you want to guess, Tables? Maggots. Oh, Tables! Damn it, Tables! Ten points Do you consider yourself one? Absolutely. Maggot. You are a maggot that's like the Bayhive to Beyonce. It's the maggots to uh, Slipknot. Mm Mm-hmm. We're just a lot, of, a lot of people get confused. Okay. That's disgusting. Bayside, the band. Shep and Jess, you're playing Who for are this. they? Um, they were named after the Bayside Station in New York. If you were to see the Bayside Station, what type of transportation would you be on? Jess. Jess. Mm, a train. More, more Do you need me to be? Damn it, I thought I had it. I, 
Are you on the MTA? Incorrect. Shep. Long Island Railroad. Shep oh, with it. 10 points on the board. Okay, you want to do a little lyrics here? <laughs> Are we allowed to say damn it? Because I've said it a lot. Okay, lyrics time. All right. Who's lyrics? Tables and Jess. This is for you. Taylor Swift's song, Long Live, goes like this. For a moment, a band of thieves in ripped up jeans, blank. Jess. Jess. Screams. Incorrect. Tables. Uh, loves. Okay. Incorrect. <laughs> Got to rule the world. Got to rule the world. Shop is winning with 11 points here. Okay. We are now moving along to Slipknot, and we are going to pull a lyric from My Plague. It goes, you fucking touch me, I'll rip you apart. I'll reach in and... <laughs> I'm upset. Jeff. Shep. Shep. Eat your heart. <laughs> I am going to give her credit for that. The actual lyric goes, you fucking touch me, I'll rip you apart. I'll reach in and take a bite out of that bitch you call a heart. That is so sad. Sickening. Who are these people? <laughs> okay. And then we've got another one from Bayside. points for that. And this is called It Don't Exist is the song. That's a sad one. And it goes, <laughs> I mistook my blank for bliss. And if that ain't love, then it don't exist. What is the blank for bliss? Jess. Jess. Hate. Ooh, close but incorrect. Shep. Contempt. Incorrect. Tables for one. I, I don't know. Incorrect. Death. I mistook my death. For I voice. feel like I was as close as Shep was and you gave her points. No, hmm. no. Okay. Do we, Taylor Swift, do you want some lyrics or do you want more questions? Questions. Okay. We'll never get the lyrics. Lyrics, you have the rhyming sometimes. Taylor mm-hmm. Swift's brother attended what famous U.S. college, Jessica or Tables? Okay. Yes. No, we're not Let's losing go. points. Oxford. No. <laughs> That's not in the U.S. <laughs> hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> Stanford? Incorrect. Notre Dame. Oh my god. Okay, Shop is in the lead. Keep up with Austin. All right. Bayside. (laughs) Uh, What happened to the band in 2005 in Cheyenne, Wyoming? Oh, I know. Jess. Jess. They broke up. Incorrect. Shep, want to go for it? There was um, something happened with the crowd. They, what do they call it? Incorrect. Tables. What happened? Uh, The drummer passed away. There was a van accident, and the drummer was killed, and the bassist was severely injured in his back. That's terrible. That's awful. Why? I'm I'm trying to find facts about a band I've never heard of. (laughs) Sorry, Jess. All right. What do you want to do? Want to finish with some lyrics for Taylor Swift, or what? Want to do lyrics to finish? We'll do whatever you want. Okay. So I win. Taylor Mm -hmm. named her cat after which two TV characters? Two for Shep. You can get it with one. What TV character? Bert and Ernie, one of them. Incorrect. Jess. Tables. I have no idea. Meredith Gray and Olivia Benson. Get out of here. <laughs> and then the third one's Benjamin Button, but that's a movie. Okay, and we'll finish the Slipknot version <laughs> off with maybe another lyric. That was fun. Yeah, yeah that was fun. Okay. So this is from... I don't want to hear it. So this is from Disaster Piece. Oh. And it goes, I want to slit your throat and blank. <laughs> I cannot believe. I'm a lady. I'm Will you let me say it? Will you let me say it? Okay. So, Jess, you can one. get on the board um, this, with this. I want to slit your throat and... Don't the wound. say it! Push my face in and feel the wound. Ew! What is wrong with these people? I'm horrified! They're Jessica. love songs! Love songs! One Jessica! I didn't... I'm just reading. Okay. You are definitely wound aware. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke. <laughs> and for to finish out Bayside, 
they have a weekly radio show hosted by members Anthony Ranieri and Nick Grimbarian. What is the name of the show? The Bayside Boys. Incorrect. <laughs> Bayside on the radio. Incorrect. Tables. <laughs> for the tie. I thought it was on their Patreon. It's a, it's the name of a, a weekly radio show. Gumshoe Radio. Shep ends as the winner with 12. Although it seemed like she was a loser after that answer. I missed all the games. Tables is the second place with 11. And Jess is on the board with maybe the most prolific point in podcasting history. I can't look at you. Okay, well, I'm horrified by what Slipknots is writing about. And we'll see you next week.